Welcome to Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers. I'm Rick Myers. And I'm Gus Piercy. And our guest today is Cassie Mecklenburg, who is the Executive Director of Sheltering Wings. Uh, this podcast is presented by Hendricks Power Cooperative and Abstract and Todd. Welcome, Cassie. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here. You bet, you bet. Cassie, um, I, I, I always think of Sheltering Wings as the not-for-profit that is just so loved by this community and, and, and for, all, for all the right reasons and, and, and everything. Talk to us a little bit about some of the challenges that you experienced leading that organization in 2020 and where you are at this point, 2021, some things that you, um, you, you know, are hoping to do that maybe you couldn't have done last year. Just again, those general challenges. I know you've moved back. Um, your signature event used to be in February. Right. Yeah. It's now, I believe, in, uh, in summer, June. in yep. June. So talk a little bit about some of those challenges in leading what, again, is undoubtedly a, 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 an organization that this community truly loves. Well, we are so incredibly grateful for the way that our community has rallied around the shelter. And I think that it's really because of that that we've been able to navigate and be nimble in 2020 because, uh, you know, I hear the word pivot so many times when people are talking about 2020. So we're not unique in that way that we had to pivot because everyone did. But but some of those unique challenges that we have, um, you know, just being a domestic violence shelter that helps all survivors of domestic abuse, um, you know, we had to remain open 24-7. And so during the pandemic, during the shelter in place, we had to really take a look at what does that mean for us? And our normal capacity is uh, 80 people on any given day. However, during this time, because it's congregate living, we had to reduce that census quite a bit to make sure that we were minimizing the risk of exposure amongst one another. We weren't putting too many uh, families together in the same room. And that was a real challenge for us because we knew that by default of doing that, that we have the, the likelihood of serving less people and providing less safe housing for individuals. And that was not what we wanted to do. So we really felt that tension. Um, so we, we navigated that and, um, and we did reduce our census, but ultimately we ended up serving more people during 2020 than we did the year before. And what I think is so interesting about that, we didn't expect it, um, but what's interesting about that is what it means is that people were staying for shorter lengths of stay than they have historically. And so we then had to take that new information that was given to us and said, okay, so normally our programs and services are with the expectation or the, the average stay of around 80 days, and that had halved during the pandemic. So how do we continue to offer these programs and services when our families aren't staying with us as long? And so that created a whole other challenge. So we started a mobile advocacy program so that we could go out into the community more where if an individual doesn't need to stay with us as long or for whatever reason they choose not to, uh, we still want to be a part of their journey to safety, stability, and independence. So we started a mobile advocacy program to help individuals, regardless if they're at sheltering wings or not, we can connect with them, we can come to them, and still provide those protective and supportive services. So that was a major transition for us last year. And, and it's interesting because you make these changes, and I think all people in businesses or nonprofits or churches or wherever you are are saying, okay, how of these changes that you're making, what of them are because of COVID 
and are seasonal to COVID and what are permanent ongoing changes where this is a new normal for us. And so we're taking a look at that and we're, we're continuing to figure that out and to navigate with that. But we anticipate um, and we're putting the plans in place for mobile advocacy to be a long-term program for us because we recognize that we need to be nimble and we need to meet families where they are better and differently. And so um, it, it's, been a good, it's been a good adjustment for us in the midst of it. Um, and this year we've only had one resident that, uh, that tested positive for COVID, which is unbelievable for us. We were wow. not anticipating that. Yeah. Wow. What's uh, so the sense really of uh, we've been averaging about 55 a day. Okay. That's what we reduced our census to. Okay. Yeah. And um, the um, and that is with how many rooms? Is it still the 11 or how uh, many rooms is it? We have 20 rooms now. In the right, upstairs? Right before, yeah, right before the pandemic hit in February, we opened up a unit for men. And so there's three rooms up there, 12 beds for men and their children to be able to stay. And what's the response been to that? I'm curious since that started. You know, it's it, there's been a great response. There's been a great response from the community of recognizing that need and supporting that need. But then the other side um, is within the first week of opening that, we had a man come and start staying with us. And then since that time, there has been at least one man, if not up to six men at a time, that have been living upstairs in our men's unit. And so... When we were doing all of this research leading up to it, we thought in the first year uh, we might serve six to eight men total, but we served 15 men from February through December of last year. And so um, it, it affirms that that's a need. It, it affirms that this was the right decision to make and that we're humbled and, um, and blessed to be able to provide this. We wish we didn't have to provide this, sure. whether it's for men or right. women, but it points to the need of we want to make sure we're taking care of any victim of domestic abuse and help them as they're building that self-sufficiency and safety in their own life. I think a lot of people thought during a lockdown that domestic violence would be a problem. Mm -hmm. What was the reality? It sounds like you were saying that, that each resident is not staying as long. What are the factors in that? And were you seeing more people because of a shutdown? Yeah, so we just received a report from the Indiana Coalition Against Domestic Violence who they are tracking the whole state. And the instances of homicide due to domestic violence throughout the state increased by 102%. That's huge. Oh, my. Oh, and it's, it's oh just heartbreaking gosh. and heart-wrenching. And so it affirms what we've been hearing. Yeah. And it affirms what we at Sheltering Wings have been experiencing. The, the level of danger that people are reporting to us is much higher than it was before. And so, you know, it, it falls fully in line with the traditional, the typical cycle of abuse. And while every situation looks a little bit different, there tends to be these commonalities of isolation and control because that's the foundation of all abuse. And so when you think about it during the shutdown, how much more in an abusive home is that likely to happen because you are sheltering in place. You're not out and about as much. And so how much easier is it for the person who's controlling the other one to, to pull them out of some of those other support networks that they might otherwise have? You know, if kiddos normally go to school and that's their escape, and that's a great way for teachers to be able to see some of those signs, um, a lot of the kids aren't necessarily in school anymore. Right. Or if people are in the workplace, 
normally, and they would have colleagues that are their friends or supervisors that might start to see some of those warning signs. When you're, when you're not out and about in that environment, you don't have that checks and balances as much as you normally otherwise would. And so people have a tendency um, to stay quiet a little bit longer, and, um, and then we also sometimes justify it. And, you know, we say, you know, the reason that this is happening, it's such a stressful time. Right. You know, if, if we weren't confined in the house together so much for so long, maybe this wouldn't be happening. Sure. You know, it, it's just really stressful right now. And, and while that's an understandable uh, reason that someone might think it, it's not a justification. No one ever deserves to be isolated, to be controlled, to be abused, whatever form that that might take. And so that's been a huge um, emphasis for us is to try to make sure that we're getting that message out that COVID or any reason, drinking, anything, those are never excuses for abuse. It might perpetuate it and it might make things more serious, but you, you can't just pass it off because of those things. And so anything that we can do to help an individual that needs assistance, whether it's safe housing or just other protective and supportive services, um, support groups, just a person to talk to and to to think through what those situations look like. You know, we're happy to do that for our individuals, for families that call us. What what is it? Um, what is the bottom line that you tell people? Because I, it is more stressful. I mean, there's no question about it. It's more it's more job losses. Sure. And talk about control. If you can't even have control about leaving the house. Yeah. Right. I mean, it would seem like there would be an increase in the control of what you do have control over, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, what's the what, what's what's the bottom line that that women need to know? It's not okay ever to be hit ever, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where Absolutely. does the rest of that stand? I mean, is it is it an offhanded negative rude comment, right? I mean, what's the bottom line on some of that stuff? The bottom line is you can be in an abusive situation if it's the very first time something happens. So if someone hits you for the very first time, you don't have to wait for a pattern to know that that is absolutely wrong, inappropriate, an unhealthy part of your situation. But um, there are times when, you know what, we all get frustrated. We all get stressed. And we might say an unkind word or you know, have an argument with our significant other or spouse. But when, what we talk about with people is when you start to see patterns established and not only patterns, but over time it can escalate because what might happen and what oftentimes happens with the families that we serve, you know, no one gets into a relationship where right off the bat, uh, you know, somebody is abusive or why would you be with them? That very rarely happens, but you see something that appeals to you that you appreciate, um, but over time, you know, as those arguments happen, they become more serious, more severe. Uh, the, the words become harsher. The physical altercations can become harsher. Um, and it can transfer from form to form. You know, it might start off as verbal, but then turn into something physical. And so look for those patterns in your, in your home. You're listening to Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers and Gus Piercy, presented by Hendricks Power Cooperative. In abstract and title, our guest today is Cassie Mecklenburg with Sheltering Wings. Cassie, uh, talk a little bit more about some of the other programs that I think probably we didn't hear a lot about, certainly in 2020. Men in Action comes to mind. We were 
you know, I was, I was a part of that uh, initial program personally where we were in schools a couple of years ago and I felt mm -hmm. like there was some great momentum there. What, where are we at with men, men in Action? Yeah, so we've got a great group of men that are on the Men in Action Committee and they are committed to seeing this through. But that's another one of those places, I'll use the word pivot again, that we have to, we have to adapt, we have to pivot because the, we, we can no longer send 500 men into every Hendricks County um, elementary school. And so, you know, that's understandable that we want to make sure that we're keeping all of our students safe, but we also want to make sure that we're getting the message out there that about uh, positive role models of working with men to help engage them and in, um, in mentoring and coaching and finding these ways to become engaged and to be positive influences with our youth to help them build strong and healthy relationships and to model that and, and to kind of confront some of the cultural norms that are beginning to happen um, in our in our communities, in our homes, and et cetera, because we, we don't want to just intervene once abuse has happened, but we want to stop it before it starts, and that's the whole purpose behind Men in Action. And so we're looking for other creative ways to engage men, and so uh, we're starting these groups. They're called action groups, and so we're, we're bringing together men who are dads, and that's a, you know a great identifier for them, and they want to talk about how they can be strong men in their homes and how they can lead their homes with integrity, and then we're taught, we're bringing together a group of business leaders who want to be strong men and healthy leaders within their business and have that type of influence. And we're looking, we're connecting with pastors and, and et cetera. So we've got these different action groups um, during this time to keep that message going, because you know it's not just men who are the perpetrators in abusive relationships. It's also women, but it's also uh, not just women who should be a part of the solution. And I think when we think about domestic violence, we oftentimes just think about the women's involvement. And, and we want to change that narrative. We want to help men to see how they can be a part of the solution and how important that their role is in the family, in the workplace, in the community, um, and how they can be leaders in the midst of that and partner alongside of us to help especially young people. So. Uh, we are going to do Men in Action Read again this year, but it's unfortunately not going to have the volunteers going into the schools. We're going to do something more like what we did last year where there's a video with a fun person who's reading the story and because we want to make sure that that doesn't drop. And it'll still go out through Men in Action and they're working on that initiative, but we're really hoping in 2022 that we can get the men back on the streets helping with that. Now, will that group, will that group still uh, have other smaller programs where it won't be such a challenge to be involved with several people. I know they've done some yeah. other things in the past. So. Yeah, they're actually starting their first golf outing this year, and it's your traditional golf outing, but we're encouraging men to invite teens or kids to be a part of that golf outing with them because how great is it when you can share a common, fun experience and yet still connect with them? So, you know, there might still be a foursome of all adult men getting together and, and participating in the event. And, and that part is fine too, but what we're running to do is encourage them to bring uh, younger individuals to come and be a part of that as well so that we can invest in them and have intentional and purposeful conversations about what it means to, um, to lead in your school, to lead in your home, even for young kids. That's important for them to be learning as well. So tell me about... Um some of the new initiatives that are coming up this year or what are, I mean, I know you carry on and you keep going. 
Did we talk about why some of those stays are, are, are less? I know that you guys help help the residents get on their feet and that kind of stuff. Is that streamlined in a COVID situation or is that, how does that work? Because I, I know there's an awful yeah. lot of advocacy that goes on. Right. So, you know, I think what's happening with the shorter stays is that during this time, people just feel really unsettled. And so as a, as a general rule, you know, we're all a little bit antsy and Sheltering Wings is a community living environment. and people, So congregate setting maybe. It, it is. And so I think that that makes people a little bit more anxious and why we've been able to keep our, our residents well. And, and like I said, we sure. only had one case. Yeah. But despite that, there's still that sense of anxiety of, of living with multiple families in an area together. Um, and so we really want to make sure that we're accommodating so that when a person leaves, our case manager will continue to work with them and continue to stay. So whether you're in our facility or not, we can still connect with you and help you in, on your goals. The other part is we started a new program last year. We received a wonderful grant through Rapid Rehousing where we can help to house people faster than we were able to before. So we can help to subsidize rent. And so that's a huge barrier for us is affordable housing. And so. You know, for somebody that's just getting their feet under them and they're moving out on their own, they might not be able to afford rent on their own, but if we come alongside them and we've got a formula that kind of helps us to navigate what that might look like, um, but we can get them started a little bit sooner. And so we're really excited about that. And then it also leads really well into our new project in Plainfield, which is Haven Homes, which is an apartment community where we are, we're building it currently and we'll be able to provide affordable, supportive, permanent housing for families um, so that they can move out more independently. And so we are really excited about that because it's a huge need not only for our families but the community at large. And both will benefit from it because it's not just for our families. Our families will get first right to, to those rooms, but when we don't have a family that needs it, anyone in the community can take advantage of those same opportunities. And so it will just be a great resource for all of us. Is it tough net last year because I know you guys go out and talk to a lot of church congregations and that kind of stuff and sort of how how hard was that last year? Did you do a lot? I know you did Zoom out the one. Right. Okay. Yeah, we we didn't do a lot of in person trainings. We did a couple as we were able to. You know, as as the yeah. pandemic kind of came in waves throughout the year, we dipped our toe into a few in person trainings, but we really moved more to Zoom. Uh, we did some live trainings. We put a lot of uh, recordings together so that people could watch it, whether in the workplace or at church on their own time. Uh, there's a great uh, series for parents that's online on our website called Growing Up Strong, and it, it provides conversation starters. It provides some tips of how to navigate um, technology because digital abuse is on the rise. We don't talk about that a whole lot, but... You know, as more and more people are sharing their whole lives, essentially, on social media, how do we protect ourselves? And that's especially important for teenagers, um, but adults as well. And so we, we, talk, we tackle some of those types of issues so that we can better arm and equip individuals to navigate those challenges and, and help create safe environments for their family. And digital abuse, is there any stories with that? I mean, is there examples you know, without, of course, naming names. Sure. We, we have a youth council, and we have a girl on our youth council that shared with us her personal experience with that. And, you know, when, 
when you're a teenager, or even as an adult it could be, but when you're a teenager, when someone says, hey, I want to know where you are and who you're with, that can be taken as a form of love. Oh, they love me so much, they care so much about me that they want to know everything about me and they just want to know all of the intimate details of my life. And while in the beginning it, it might start as that, that's a really slippery and dangerous slope to go down. Because what she experienced and what a lot of teens also experience is that that then means that they have full access to your life. And so then her boyfriend started you know, calling her out. You told me you were going to be at such and such place, but then I saw you took a route somewhere else. And so we, uh, and so, you know, what's that all about? And so then started to dictate to her who she could be with and where she could be because he had access to everything. Wow. And so you just don't always think about that, but, but that's a huge part for teens. And it can just be something that is perceived as the norm, but it's really got to be confronted. And we've got to have those kinds of conversations to talk about, okay, what is healthy? And what is a sign of love? And then where does it cross the line of being too pervasive in your life and too controlling? And it's, it's so removed from my personal experience, maybe yours too, digital, mm-hmm. you know, where you can, you know, GPS where somebody's going to be all the time. Find yeah. my phone that. features. You know, parents use it all the time. And in one way, in one regard, that's a really helpful feature, you know, so that parents can know that their kids are safe. And, you know, if anything would ever happen, they have that accessibility to them. But then there's also a boundary with accessibility. And so we've got to make sure that we're we're taking these tools that can be really good, but they can also be thwarted for bad. And, and we've got to talk about that to help individuals, whether you're a teenager or an adult, because it's happening with adults as well. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Um, so we, we've got to have those conversations. Gus, can you imagine us, when we grew up, having all this digital? I can't even imagine it. No, absolutely uh, not. I just, I can't imagine living with it. I didn't have the social media either. I was just excited right. when I'd come home, my mom would tell me Sherry called. Right? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. I always say I'm so grateful that I'm not a teenager in this age, because... I would fall to the same traps that so many of them fall into. I mean, I, I, I'm not above any of that, and but so I'm just grateful that there's no track record of my own teenage years. You're listening to Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers and Gus Piercy, presented by Hendricks Power Cooperative and Abstract and Title. Our guest today is Cassie Mecklenburg with uh, Sheltering Wings. Cassie, we've talked a lot about the shelter, but I want to talk a little bit about you. Certainly, we, we know your passion for this organization, but I, I have to believe that you're passionate about many other aspects of life. So share, share some of those passions with us. Yeah, you know, so for me, I'll tie it initially back to the shelter, but I'll share a little bit more. Um, I think that the strength of our community hinges on the strength of our families. And that's just something that I've always been really passionate about. And um, I was privileged to grow up in a wonderful, supportive, loving family. and. I honestly grew up just thinking that that was the norm. And, you know, that most homes, I knew they didn't always, thankfully, didn't all look like the Martin household with all of our quirks and tendencies. But from a healthy perspective, I just didn't understand. I just didn't know. Um, But as I got older and as my eyes were opened, my heart broke. And so I, I said, you know, anything that I can do to speak into people's lives to help in that way is something that I just personally am, am passionate about. And so... I recognize that it, it doesn't matter what church you go to, where you work, <clears throat> excuse me, your socioeconomic status, but it really can affect anyone and everyone. And so 
as I grew up and my eyes were open to that, um, it's just been a privilege to me to be able to move into this capacity and, and to help in that area. Um, what do you like to do when you're not? I mean, <laughs> when, yeah, you're a baseball fan, aren't you? Well, I'm a huge nephew fan. And my nephews are baseball fans, and so uh, I've grown into it. But honestly, I love sports. I do. I'm, I am a terrible athlete. I do not have one coordinated bone in my body, but I love to watch sports, and so I, I do. I, I like baseball, uh, but I especially like watching my nephews play baseball as they've been growing up. Uh, so I, I like to do that. I'm really engaged in my church. Um, my church family is my a non-blood family, and I'm just so appreciative of them. But I, I love to read. I love, uh, I'm a foodie. I love to go to new places, uh, local establishments, and find those things off of the beaten path. And my husband and I love board games, and so we're, we've played so many board games during the pandemic. <laughs> and he's got a man cave with some fun games downstairs that, you know, pop a shot and pool and things like that. And so... Uh, we're we're very competitive in our household. And Do you, what's your uh, favorite board game at this particular point in time? You know, we just bought a new one over the pandemic called Splendor, and it's not a well-known one, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, and then there's another great game that we just recently brought back out called Pandemic, and it's a oh. collective game. Oh. And you know, it's taken on a whole other meaning during the pandemic, but we've yeah. had it for a while, and it's fun. Yeah, that's great. Cassie. Uh, Open mic here. Anything, anything on your mind? Whether it's a shelter, whether it's whatever. State of the affairs during this time. <laughs> well, whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the most common questions that I'm getting this time is how can people help. So if I can maybe go there for just a really brief yeah. minute. Um, our needs have changed and evolved as everyone's have, and people's time and availability and comfort level and connecting with the shelter has also changed, and we certainly respect that. And so ways that people can help uh, would be for those people that are interested in volunteering, we do still have some volunteer opportunities and we've changed those to help them make sure that we're minimizing the risk for volunteers. But anyone that would like to volunteer at the shelter, we welcome them to call us. We also have a wish list online where people can, you know, all of those typical perishables that you think about for your own family, paper towels, toilet paper, over-the-counter medicine, cleaning supplies, that kind of thing. Um, we don't budget for those, which amazed me when I first started at the shelter. And so we're fully reliant on people making those types of donations. And so uh, our community has generously rallied around that. So if people have an interest, we welcome them to do that. Um, but we're, we're just so grateful for the way that our community has responded and reached out to us over the last year, providing meals and other things for our families to make sure that we're navigating during this time. So I would be remiss if I just didn't simply say thank you for the way that our community has, has supported our families. And our work has to continue, so we're, we're still here. Fantastic. And just a fantastic job, Cassie, that you and your team does. I, I can tell you that Hendricks County appreciates all of it. So, uh, again, thank you Thank you so much for, for what you do for, for the community. Thank you. You've been listening to Hendricks County Conversations with Rick Myers and Gus Piercy. Our guest has been... Cassie Mecklenburg with the Sheltering Wings. Uh, this is presented by Hendricks Power Cooperative and Abstract and Title. Uh, just a reminder that Hendricks Power Cooperative is committed to our youth. Scholarship programs for graduating seniors who are looking to continue their education are available. Six of them at $1,500.
for a student whose parents are Hendricks Power Cooperative members and have a GPA of 3.0 or above. Applications are due March 5th to apply to hendrickspower.com.